Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes after iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It, they take care of everything, distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. Section 336. Section 336. All right, Josh. So is, it, is, is the interview lined up? The, the, the guest is on hold. Guys, we're going to surprise Bert here. With his, his favorite player. How did you get the? I mean, it, it's incredible that you got this guy. I can't wait. To, oh, wait. Here he comes. Here comes Bert. Hey, guys. What's up? Hey, what's going on, Bert? So we're interviewing. Why yeah. won't you tell me who we're interviewing? We, we, we just got an interview today. Okay. I, 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 think you're, I think it's a big interview. It's a big interview. What, like Rock Baco or something? No, 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 no. no. But I, I think uh, it's Rich gone, Dubrov? No, no. This is bigger than Rich, all right? No, bigger no and, dare I say, better than Rich Dubrov, all right? This is a big-time right. interview. But hmm. this time we made a point at making sure you didn't know because you never ask any questions anyway. That's true. I, I'm, I'm a lame participator in interviews. So we thought we'd go ahead and, and surprise you on this one. Yeah. Manny yeah. Machado. Well, I mean, let's not get too excited no. here, all right? I don't know who you, who you think we right. are. Okay. But I'll tell you not, what. Not, not an Oriole player. He's, he's, not, a, he's not on the Orioles. He, okay. He's, he's a former Oriole. Uh, oh, we, former Oriole. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, uh, Jim Traber. Uh, not that former. <laughs> <laughs> he's a little younger than Jim Traber. He's what? a former Orioles starting pitcher, though. Ooh. A guy who was still out there. As a free agent who could still who can still pitch. Oh man, who's a free agent now? Former Oriole pitcher. Now I could and big. He's big. Yeah, yeah, he's big and bad. Oh, he's bad. Hold up. <laughs> he can. He also strikes suppose. Hold he, up. Is it Big Bad Bud Norris? You know, I was. I just realized this. It is Big Bad Bud Norris. Right. You guys got Bud Norris. We have, we have Bud Norris on the phone for section three three six. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. way. And it had, it's like Christmas. And we, but we had to keep it a secret so you would just come in nice and calm. Oh, man. I can't wait to ask him about pointing in the ceiling. I just noticed when we do our 336 kind of silhouette shot, mm-hmm. you got the finger up. I That's do. That's a Bud Norris pose. That's a nod to Bud Norris. That's a Bud Norris pose right <laughs> Even there. though that was long before Bud Norris was even an Oreo, but I'll take it. I'll right. take it. So maybe Bud's doing a nod to you. <laughs> That's right. That's we'll, right. We'll have to ask him. All right. Well, is he on hold? Let's do this. You right, let's do it. Call me on my cell phone. Day night when you need me. Section 336 is now excited to be joined by a man who needs no introduction, a Baltimore Oriole favorite, former Oriole starting pitcher Bud Norris. Bud Norris, thanks for joining us here on 336. Thanks for having me, guys. So, so, so let's start here before we get nostalgic into the Orioles' past. Let's start here. You were drafted and began your career with the Astros. You kind of experienced all their rebuilding years. Uh, but before all that rebuilding came to fruition, you were traded to, to, to the Orioles. So what was it like this most recent World Series to watch the organization that you started with uh, go to the World Series and win the World Series? Um, it, was, it was really satisfying. Um, I was so thankful, one, to get the opportunity to get drafted by Houston and to go through their system and to play basically three and a half years there. Like you said, it was uh, unfortunately a bad time. The team is definitely going through that rebuilding phase, which you see a lot of clubs doing nowadays. But yep. To have the turnover effect happen so rapidly and the Sports Illustrated article that came out with it 
even when I was on the roster, that called the Houston Nationals the 2017 World Champs, you know, five, six years ago was pretty remarkable. But yep. that's, a, that's a great fan base as well. It's a great city. They went through a lot of turmoil this year with the hurricane and everything else. But uh, I was so happy for so many people within the city and within that organization for them to win that World Series. And like I said, I think it was the best thing for Houston and, and was very happy to see that for them. And, and speaking of the Houston Astros, uh, back when you were traded from the Astros to the Orioles in 2013, it was right at the July 31st deadline, and the Astros were in town in Baltimore playing at Camden Yards that day. Like, how did that go down? Did you just walk from the visitors' locker room down the hall to the home locker room? It was, yeah, it was a really remarkable change of events. Um, I'd basically been on the trade block all of the spring training and all of season, and then the 25th hour definitely came right when I was in Baltimore. And I remember sitting in my room watching ESPN, you know, what's the trade market for Bud Norris and speculation of here and there. But, yes, that day at 4 o'clock I was on the Astros team bus headed over to Camden Yards. Uh, I got a phone call from Jeff Luna, the manager, and they had reported me that I'd been traded to the Orioles. So I went to the ballpark. I, I truly just packed up my locker. I said goodbye to my teammates in Houston, and I did some uh, media with Houston and before I even set foot in the Orioles locker room, I was actually in the Orioles media room uh, taking questions from uh, the beat writers and so forth. Uh, but it was really a unique uh, experience to essentially just change locker rooms, change uniforms, and, and play against a group of guys that I knew so well. Um, well I shortly ran out into center field, and, and Buck was behind the center field screen during batting practice. And he basically said, you know, welcome to the club. We're happy to have you. Do you want to start tomorrow against? Uh, Houston or do you want to start like Saturday against Seattle <laughs> I had already been on like seven days rest and I felt like I was throwing the ball really well so I said I'm ready to go tomorrow and he said all right great so to even have the, the opportunity to make a start against my former club shortly thereafter was uh, really remarkable but uh, we got a big win that night over them and yes I got pied and it's an incredible <laughs> day and 48 hours to, to say the least and something I'll never forget yeah what, what yeah. a crazy weird experience um, you are, I don't know how well you're aware of this, but people in Baltimore, we still love you, bud. Uh, in large part because of 2014, the year that we won the AL East. And that, and that year, you, you had a great year. You won 15 games. Your, your ERA was 3.65. I mean, just a, a great year. What do you remember most about that 2014 season? Oh, man. I, I remember a lot of things. But the, the community, the fan base, the city of Baltimore, I mean, just every night, their enthusiasm and their dedication to the team was was unbelievable. It's something like in sports I had never really seen before, and it was such a it was an honor to play for that organization and come to the ballpark every day that year alone. When we were just you know running running through wins, it just every day was it was exciting. You know when when the team's winning, it basically cures all of the personal problems, and uh, it, it definitely you know goes back to that team aspect. And, and we had such a good group of guys in there especially with our leadership from like Adam Jones and Matt Wieters and J.J. Hardy, just the quiet, vocal, hey, let's go, let's get back on it today kind of thing. They definitely kept us, uh, you know, motivated and focused. And to, to do what we did that year in the East with all the history, it, it was really remarkable. And it was a very, very special year and, and getting into the playoffs and so forth. Yeah, that had to be a good uh, bond in time for the team and teammates. Are you, do you still keep in contact with, with those players, even though you're not uh, in Baltimore anymore? Yeah, I, I contact a lot of players from, from other teams I play with, but I, I do have some really good relationships with the uh, Baltimore guys. You know, Adam Jones and I, we keep in contact uh, pretty much frequently. He's obviously an easy guy to keep up with. Uh, I truly enjoyed, you know, guys like Chris Davis. Um, I've talked a little bit with Weeders. Uh, you know, uh, Kevin Gosman, I know it's his birthday today. 
happy for Tillman. But one guy I keep in touch with a lot with was Tommy Hunter, and happy for him and the new deal that he got. So, like I said, we built a lot of great relationships and friendships from that team, and we all try to do our best to keep in, tr- uh, in touch with each other. That's cool. So last year, if, you, if we look at to, to this coming year, last year you were used mostly as a reliever, but you did start a few games uh, last year. Uh, I think the, the year before that you started 19 games. Uh, as a current free agent, do you view, view yourself, Bud, more as a, a starter or a reliever? You know, at this point in my career, um, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to, to get to that glory land of winning a World Series. And yeah. I just want to be the best version of myself. Um, I, I, when I got drafted by the Astros organization, they basically labeled me as a back-end reliever. He's got that bulldog approach with a good slider. And I was, that was a great to label me that way, but I wanted to prove to myself that I could be a starter. And I, and I did that for a long time. And I did have a great year in 14. I'm still unfortunate I got it to six as I did in 15. But I've battled my way back. I've got a lot of my health, you know, squared away. And, and I feel good. I think that's something that a lot of players have to learn throughout their career that one year's going to be different to the next. But after last season and getting a real taste of the bullpen life and the back-end bullpen, especially eighth-inning, ninth-inning stuff, I really enjoyed it. It's a different mindset. It's a different focus. But uh, it's something that's extremely important and valuable to a team. As you guys know, the transition from Zach Britton from starter to one of the best storied closers of all time now, in all honesty, impressive seasons and so forth. But this is something that I'm really excited about uh, to, to take this opportunity and see what kind of opportunities for back-end stuff are out there because I know the closer position is so valuable and so is the eighth-inning guy. So at this juncture in my career, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, but I think to get the best version of myself, back-end bullpen and closing is, is what I would be best for me. Yeah, and as we've seen already, uh, uh, teams now realize the value that bullpen pitching brings, and we see that already in some of the the, the, the free agent signings right. already. Um, as this free agent kind of market develops, as fans, as Oral fans, the Orioles have done nothing, and it's painful to watch because <laughs> every week we come in here and talk about things that they should do or things that they could do, and we right. voice our frustration that nothing happens. I cannot even – and that's a fan perspective. I can't even imagine what it's like for the players – not knowing like where you'll be living and where your career will be next year. So what do you do? Like I, I go on Twitter all the time uh, and I keep on refreshing Twitter for the latest updates, but I'm right. just a fan as a player. How do you get through this off season and not go insane, not knowing where you'll be next year? It's, it's very difficult. It's very difficult <laughs> for not only myself, but obviously my girlfriend and my family and, and stuff like that. But you have to know that, you know, spring training is still six weeks away. And, and even the years that I was in, in uh, Baltimore, we signed Nelson Cruz during spring training and Ubaldo Jimenez during spring training. So those deals can still get done with the bigger free agents. It's, uh, it's a little nerve-wracking because you'd like to know and you'd like to you know, really get prepared and find uh, a spring training residence and therefore a season residence. But the best thing you can do is just stay calm. You know, I, have, I have nothing but the most uh, trust and respect for my agent and, and his negotiations and how he represents me. Uh, his name is Joel Wolf and Wasserman Media Group, and I absolutely love them. So... I, you know, he gives me the important phone calls, and he lets me know who's checked in and, and who's, you know, I don't have any real offers on the table yet. There's still a couple of guys to go, but this market has been slowed as it was last year and the year before. This is beginning to be a trans, you know, transition, which is, is difficult for the players because there's still so many of us out there. Um, so you just got to stay calm. You got to try to stay off Twitter for that matter because it just gets <laughs> swirled around so much. There's so much information being thrown around from beat writers to other people, you know, invested in the game. So, the best thing is to really take the information from your agent uh, when it's important. I'll definitely pass along to my family and, 
and so forth, and, and I'll make a valuable, a valuable decision when it's time. That, that's good that you can relax like that because as a fan, I just go onto Twitter every day and search Manny Machado. <laughs> so I couldn't imagine if I was in that position, I would be Twittering my name well, nonstop to well, find out what the conversation is. And, 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 and Bud Norris, he mentioned Ubaldo Jimenez and Nelson Cruz, the, the, the late signings. You can really blame the slow free agent market, I think, completely <laughs> on Dan, on Dan Duquette. Duquette. Now other teams are doing what Dan yeah. Duquette did, just waiting until, until February and March. Yeah, I mean, Dan does get a little credit, I guess you could say, for that because, credit. you know, when it waits that long, those guys, we don't want to be out of job. We want to get to work. We want to play baseball. We need all that time in spring training to get, you know, our bearings and, and get acclimated with the team organization and the, and the personnel. So yeah. it is better when, uh, when guys sign early so they can get more set, situated. But, uh, you know, what's meant to be will be. Now, Bud, I don't know if uh, Josh mentioned anything to you when he was setting up this interview, but uh, while you were with the Orioles, you were my favorite Oriole. I was hashtagging Big Bad <laughs> Bud every time you started a game. And, uh, you know, I, w- I was a big fan of yours. I have a Bud, Bud Norris t-shirt on right now. I do. I'm wearing my Bud Norris t-shirt. Um, I, yeah. I was a big fan, and I, I just was wondering if you recall Sarasota Spring Training 2015. <laughs> there was some random guy in a Section 336 t-shirt yelling at you in the bullpen, Hey, Bud, 200 innings this season. You can do it. I, I feel like... I'm to blame for the struggles you you had that season. I feel like I might have jinxed you, so I just wanted to apologize. I'm sorry about that. That's my bad. Hey, don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> like I said, that that is an ultimate goal for a lot of starters. Uh, I do remember those backfields in Sarasota and you guys barking over us while we're trying to warm up <laughs> for a game. But uh, we do love the support. I know that a game with a full heart, you know, not an empty heart, and that's definitely a goal as a starting pitcher to eclipse that 200 inning mark in that plateau. It's very very difficult in today's game, but. Uh, like I said, I've had some good years mixed in with some uh, shaky years, but uh, my time in Baltimore will never be uh, forgotten. And uh, I was just looking back at your career a little bit pre-Orioles, it, when you were with the Astros and, and even before that, uh, and even with the teams after the Orioles, you tended to wear number 20, that being your number. Were you disappointed that the Orioles uh, had retired number 20? You had to go with number 25. No, I was not upset. You know, <laughs> like, they have such a you know, storied, storied history, and so many guys retired numbers up there. It was an honor just being there for some of those throwback nights and wearing, having those guys come out and, and just being able to, to really kind of cherish those players when they came back in the stadium in the arena, or arena, stadium, ballpark, and uh, truly <laughs> just loved it. So I had no problem wearing 25 because uh, I grew up on uh, the West Coast and 25 was worn in black and orange by Barry Bonds, and I was a big oh, yeah. fan of his growing up. So in my honest opinion, it was an easy number to put on my back, but it was more about the, the name on the front. And, and you've been with... Quite a few teams now in your career over nine years, uh, a lot of American League teams, National League teams. Do you have a preference pitching in the American League or National League, or, or is, is batting an issue for you? Um, in my honest opinion, my heart of hearts, I, I love the National League. That's the way that our grandfathers created this game. Uh, that's how it's been around for you know over 100-plus years. Um, so I think somewhere someone's rolling over in their grave knowing that there's just a, a designated hitter and all he does <laughs> is go up there and hit. You know, I, think, uh, I think that brings in part of the appeal – and especially being a pitcher, we don't have any offensive time. You know, we don't get to do a lot of offensive things. So at least in the National League, if I can sack bun a guy over or, or successfully uh, pull off a hit and run, I think that really gives a pitcher a feel of like, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a two-way player and I can help the team in, in different ways than just pitching because sometimes, you know, pitching can get pretty difficult. But uh, I'm just a big fan of the National League. I, I hope we never 
get rid of the pitcher hitting because that's just the way the game was created, and, and you know that's how it's been around for 100-plus years. That's interesting to hear, and it's a fresh perspective, especially with us. Well, We're American League guys. Well, <laughs> with, with that said, the way that our – I don't want to throw out any names, but the way our DH played last year, I think I would have rather had Big Bad Butt up there hitting every time <laughs> than had our, had our, had our DH. <laughs> but you need the DH to give guys like yeah. Rafael Palmero a chance to come back. Yeah, there yeah, you right. go. <laughs> Hey, uh, but- yeah, I mean, Dick Ortiz is, will be one of the most glorified players, you know, to play, and he did so much for the game, but it was, it was almost hard to watch him play defense when he had to go out there and do <laughs> True, it. True. Right. Yeah, at some point he just he, he could not do that. He was only there for the bat. Uh, well, while, while we have you on here, it's not every day I get to talk to Big Bad Butt Norris, so I, I wanted to share my favorite memory and see if you – I'm sure you remember this. I love it. One of my favorite things in baseball is when a, a pitcher throws strike three – and then just walks off the mound at the end of the inning, and the batter is left just standing there. Yes. I love that moment. And that happened uh, with you against the Angels. Bases loaded. <laughs> On top of that, the best player in baseball up at the plate, Mike Trout. You struck him out looking. You walked right into the dugout. Mike Trout was left standing there befuddled <laughs> that you just struck him out. Uh, that's my favorite Bud Norris moment. I'm sure you remember that moment, right? Oh, I, I certainly remember that. You know, uh, <laughs> it was an interesting, interesting change of events because I essentially got uh, – I was coming back from a little injury in that, that year, that season, and they had optioned me before the break, so I couldn't pitch in the Oakland series after the All-Star break. And Buck said, hey, you got the first game against you know Anaheim. And I had pitched well there before in my career, but – I put myself in a pretty big spot. I believe it was like the seventh inning. I had bases loaded in two outs. And you're right. I have the biggest, baddest hitter in the game up. And I got, I, had, I got ahead in the count, but he's a tough guy to you know, punch out. And he fouled off a couple pitches, and then we ended up going on a full count. But I remember Nick Hundley was behind the plate, and he was actually the same guy that caught my uh, game three start in Detroit in the, in the division series. And I just knew that. He's like, hey, if we execute a backdoor sinker here, just let it eat. I'm going to frame the shit out of it and hopefully get a call. And, you know, sometimes you get that call and sometimes you don't. Um, nine times out of ten, I'm going to say the hitter gets the call, not the pitcher. But I think I got a little bit of the corner on that one. And it was a great frame job. And to keep him there, and I remember he like put out his right hand like, that's off the corner. And <laughs> him and the umpire got into it. But I got the call, got us out of a big spot. And if I remember, I think we won the game like two to nothing or one to nothing. And obviously that was a big, big pitch and a big uh, – scenario for me and the team yeah and it's a good thing he called it a strike because you were already in the dugout by the, by the time they, they called it and i started using <laughs> well, i like that i started using that move in slow pitch softball but it's less effective in slow pitch softball because by the time the ball gets to to the mound i'm already in the dugout and they like hit a home run or something but i like the i like to throw it and walk you should work on that more throw the pitch before it gets anywhere just start walking off i like that move <laughs> a good move. Yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, if I can get the umpire to go with me all the time, I would. But what the fans ended up just falling in love with Bud for, the move that Bud would do is in the infield pop-up and pointing straight up. Yeah, you're a great pointer, yeah. And it, it was, yeah. it's almost like a little league or a high school move that you don't see major league players do that we all just loved in Baltimore that you point them out and help out the infield. So that really started from my college pitching coach and he was uh, just somewhat of a Nazi when it came to like just pitching stuff and we played in so many inter-squad games and so many just games against each other. And so you just, you know, you're just pitching. And then he would, like, after a pitch, if a guy hit a ground ball or short, he would scream at you, get off the mound. You know, so you have to, like, run off the mound and then go back up a base. But specifically with pop-ups, we had some difficult lights, and it got kind of overcasty at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. And so every time there was a pop-up, they just required every pitcher, like, point it out, point it out. So 
yes, I got a little carried away with it. And yes, these are big league players. And I know Adam Jones can go track down a fly ball without me pointing it out. But it's really just, uh, just kind of what I did and how I was taught. But yes, you're right. It got a little much at times. And I wish I could not do it, but uh, I still do do it. No, I, I love <laughs> it. It's great. Keep on yeah. doing it. Yeah. I, I think it helps the camera crew because ESPN and all, they miss, they miss where the ball goes sometimes. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, well, Bud Norris, thank you. This has been a, a a lot of fun. We appreciate you taking a few minutes here to talk to Section 336. Thanks, man. Absolutely. No, thanks for reaching out, guys, and uh, best of luck to the Orioles and Baltimore fan base going forward. But truly, thank you for my time in Baltimore. It will be something I'll be very, very cherished, and I will never forget 2014. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to see where you sign and what the future holds yeah, for you. Yeah, we'll follow your career. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You used to call me on my cell phone. When you need my love, call me on my cell phone. Well, boys, that interview with Big Bad Bud could not have gone <laughs> any better, in my humble opinion. Bert, you guys, I hope you're watch, you watched the Facebook video feed of this because Bert was grinning ear to ear throughout <laughs> the entire interview. Right, you just retired now from podcasting. Yeah, I, yeah, I, that, I mean, this is a mic drop interview. I tried to get him on the show back in like 2015, and we could never make it happen. And now, you know, he's. He's looking out there in free agency, and uh, I was just telling Matt, uh, I don't know if he's heard, but the Orioles could use a starting pitcher or two. That, that's right. right. I was hoping I asked him starter reliever. I was hoping, he, and he tended to be more with the reliever. I yeah. was hoping starter because we, we can sign him up. Right. I was, I was hoping to ask him if uh, Dan Duquette calls his agent, who hangs up first? <laughs> a little, the little right. who hangs up first segment. I love that. It's right. my favorite game. Yeah. I'm, I'm just happy that. You, you got a little creepy with the, hey, remember me roll, uh, yelling at you in the bullpen, but you did not go to, remember when I drunkenly was texting you from Sarasota? <laughs> I'm glad that you avoided that part and, and stayed somewhat professional. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and Bert remembered his questions. He didn't freeze and lock up. I know. It's just like one of those interviews where I actually wanted to participate. It was great. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, yeah. It, was, it was a big bad butt Norris. I mean, we, 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 we searched everywhere to get Bert's favorite guy. Now now that we've gotten Bert's favorite guy interviewed, check it off the box. Yep. It's time to us, check for us to get S- some guys. Someone set up an interview with Brian Mattis, please, <laughs> so I can have my moment. I think Josh can make that happen. Absolutely. All right, fine. You get Brian Mattis, and I want Jake Arrieta. <laughs> okay, you take get Jake Arrieta. That'll we'll be a be tougher one, I'm thinking, but right. we can try. Why do we keep going with pitchers? The Orioles never have pitchers, and we want pitchers on They're the easy show. to get on the phone, maybe. I don't know. All right. Good interview, boys. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, well done. Um, yeah, another good three three six mini. These have been fun. Yeah, and this week we'll have RDT on the show with the full episode on uh, Wednesday. For fans, by fans, section three three six, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk.